0: All right, today, say Pentecost. Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday. You might ask yourself, what is Pentecost? Or maybe you have some previous expectation of what Pentecost means, and maybe you even have some nervousness of Pentecost. It's like a scary word, or Pentecostal. Ooh. (laughs) What does the word Pentecost mean? Ready, I'm gonna give you the meaning, and you can understand whether or not you should be terrified. The word Pentecost means 50. That's it. So if you're scared of Pentecost, it means you have a fear of 50-year-olds. That's what it means. No, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. That's a bad joke, but I'm trying, trying. It just means 50. It's a celebration of 50 days after Passover. And today we're going to talk about the meaning of it for the early church and the meaning of it for us today. It's nothing you have to be afraid of. Even the moving of the Holy Spirit, it's God moving in your life. Do you realize the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God? He's not some weird cousin in the family of God that you have to be afraid of. He is God. And if you can receive God the Father, you can receive God the Son, you can receive God the Holy Spirit. They're one. And so you can be as open to the Holy Spirit and the moving and things of the Holy Spirit as you are to Jesus. You can trust Jesus... And the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit comes from those same nail-pierced hands. And Jesus will never give you anything to harm you, amen, but only to increase and to help you. We've been in a series called The Tale of Two Mountains. And I think Pentecost is a great time to also bring this into that same conversation because it's also this expression of when the law was given, 3,000 people died. But the day the Holy Spirit was given on that day of Pentecost, the Bible says 3,000 people were made alive in Christ. And so it's a great comparison of these two mountains. The Jewish celebration of harvest, the wheat harvest, is what begins here at Pentecost. It's symbolized with two loaves. I have these two loaves here today that I'll just kind of bring us back to a couple of times, but these two loaves. It's a festival that had been in the Jewish calendar for thousands of years. Pentecost didn't start because of the book of Acts. Are you understanding? Pentecost was one of those things that God had his people celebrating for thousands of years. And their focus was the harvest. I think this is the connection we're going to make today. I believe that Pentecost, I believe that that outpouring of the Holy Spirit... Is primarily focused on empowering us to reach the harvest amen Amen. to reach the harvest and there's these two loaves and it was interesting because these loaves and you can look at it in the book of Leviticus these loaves were unusual because they were supposed to be leavened loaves leavened loaves leaven is like a yeast and throughout Scripture yeast or leaven was not a good thing. It was always kind of referenced towards sin. And so it's interesting that the loaves that were meant to be used in the celebration of Pentecost, literally two loaves lifted up and waved before God. Hey. We're supposed to be leavened. Why? Why, Pastor Kevin? What's the purpose in that? Why? One belief is that these two loaves represent the two people groups that exist on the earth according to scripture you know throughout the old testament god saw the world in two categories do you know what those two categories were jews and gentiles that was it you know we divide ourselves up into all kinds of groups age groups language groups cultural groups but in god's plan there were jews and there were gentiles and both are lost in sin come on church where that leaven is, you hear me? But yet now here we are on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is poured out at the beginning of this harvest time of the world. The empowerment to harvest, the empowerment to go open prison doors, to go break chains, to go cast out the devil, heal the sick, raise the dead, prove that the kingdom of God is on the earth and there is hope, There's something more than the kingdoms of this world that are passing away. And the empowerment of God's spirit was upon us, not just to feel good, but to do good. And the greatest good we can do is bring people to God who is good and bring them out of darkness into light. And you're not out there doing it on your own, but the Holy Spirit is inside of us as a river flowing out of us, bringing life. Somebody get excited about that today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, talks about these two people groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, and how Jesus tore down the wall of separation between them and saved us through his blood and through his cross. That's why I believe today is so key. It's a harvest conversation. The cause, this causes me to remember Jesus' words in John chapter 4, verse 35 through 36. Jesus saying, you know the saying four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. The fields are ripe and ready for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. I want to remind us about the harvest today. I want to remind us that we were the wheat in the field. We were ready for harvest, and someone came with the message of the gospel and in the power of the Holy Spirit and harvested us into the house of God. And how many of you are are grateful, how many of you are grateful that God harvested you into his house? (laughs) Amen. The harvest is ready. The harvest is ripe. The fields are white, ready to be harvested. People brought to eternal life. People, human beings. Let's just continue to unpack that. That's a dad, that's a mom. That's a child, that's a daughter, that's a son, that's an aunt, an uncle, a best friend, a grandmother, a grandfather. Sometimes we so think of the world as this faceless group and crowd. We forget that these are human beings, people who matter with intelligence and talents and gifts and history and love and, and memories. And they need to be saved. They need to be brought into the household of God it's 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 not just this word the harvest it's human beings it's people and if we don't reach them it means they're lost and pentecost is not just about us celebrating and applauding that we get to speak in new languages or that we are filled with anointing and power if we forget the purpose of the power then it's wasted the purpose of the power is for the harvest For the harvest, that you can walk into a world that's powerless and show them a better way, that's hopeless and show them a better way, that's lifeless and be the life and light of God walking into their world. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Now let's get into the day and the promise. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. Now, again, Pentecost means 50, 50 days after the Passover. Jesus was crucified during Passover. Do you remember this? And he walked, after the resurrection, he walked with the disciples for 40 days. Say 40. And then he ascended. And then there was a 10-day period of time that they were meant to go and wait for the promise of the Father, which would be the outpouring and baptism of the Holy Spirit. So 40 plus 10 equals what? 50, good job, you passed math. 50, that's what it means. 50 days from Passover, and Jesus charged them and said, go wait for the promise of the Father. Here we are, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. He proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. We've talked about this over the last few weeks about the resurrection, the reality of the resurrection. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he's promised. I want us to remember these things again. Every year we come back to these truths. Don't leave, he said, until the Father sends you the gift he's promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has that authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He brings them back to the promise. You will receive power. Remember, the Holy Spirit's coming upon you. Again, not just to feel something, but to be empowered to do something. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. Can it be any plainer, my friends? Yet you receive power for what? It's right there, to be my witnesses. I'll I'll pretend like you got it before. You receive power to do what? (laughs) To be my, his, Jesus Christ, witnesses. Amen. That's why we have the power, the purpose of the power, to be a what? witness amen which also is a challenge of responsibility that if we are no longer sharing or testifying or witnessing about Jesus and yet we're still saying hey I'm spirit-filled what are we doing with that power then that power was given that we may be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea in Samaria to the ends of the earth. Why did he tell them to wait? Why did he tell the disciples to wait? They had been discipled for three years. I want us to see something just important here. They had been educated by the best for three years. They had been mentored, they had been taught, they had the theology, they had the personal experience, but Jesus still said, that's not enough. It's not enough that you have head knowledge. It's not enough that you've gone through a discipleship program. It's not enough that you have the theology right. There's something else I want you to have before you get started in this mission. Because you know, we're human beings and we, some of us are pretty strong leaders and we know how to get things done. Jesus wants the world saved. He, he called us to go, you know, um, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and to preach this gospel around the world. Let's get going. Let's do this. And Jesus says, wait. We can figure it out, Jesus. We're business owners. We're leaders. We have degrees. We have wisdom. We, have, we can get, make things happen, shake things up, get things done. He says, wait until you receive the power. Wait until you receive the promise. Wait till you receive the helper. Let's not go do this in our own strength, but let this be God through us doing this. You know, even in our own understanding, we could try to build something in our own knowledge that the Holy Spirit wouldn't have done it that way. May we not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. Sometimes it's even a trust and a faith expression to hold back on what we think we ought to do in the natural and trust what the Spirit is calling us to do in the Spirit. God is building His church, amen? He said, I will build my church, but if if we're out there on our own doing it for Him, then He's not building it, we're building it for Him. And He's like, no, 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 let me build this thing. I know what I'm doing. I need you to be a vessel. I need you to be yielded, to be led by my Spirit that I'm about to give you. Don't get ahead of me. I'm going to build this thing at my pace. I'm going to build it in my way and in my wisdom. You need the power and you need the presence of God to go with you, not just the knowledge of God, not just discipleship. You need the power and the presence. Acts chapter 2, let's get into the moment when the Holy Spirit was poured out. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together. This is chapter 2, verse 1. All the believers were meeting together in one place, suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by these believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These are people from all over Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the providence of Asia. Areas of Libya, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So it even tells you what they heard them saying when they were speaking in those tongues and languages. They were testifying about the wonderful things God has done. What can this mean, they asked each other, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk, that's all. Can I tell you that from the very beginning, spirit-filled people have been mocked by those that didn't understand? It's not a new thing. Sometimes we want the world to approve and celebrate everything that we believe and that we do, but they, they don't celebrate these things, they don't understand these things, and they just mock them, because in mocking us, they try to shame you into stopping. They try to shame you into feeling like you're not a part of the crowd, and you'll pull back. But this is not the generation that pulls back, amen. We're not looking for the world's approval, we're looking for God's. Then Peter stepped forward. Look at that. Rather than pulling back in the, in the fun, in them making fun, Peter stepped forward. I love that. May we be that individual in this generation, the one that will step forward. Amen. With the 11 disciples, or apostles, and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews, residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you assume. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's much too early to be drunk. That was his reasoning. (laughs) If it was three o'clock in the afternoon, well, you never know. But it's nine o'clock in the morning. No way, it's too early. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last day, God says, I will pour out of my spirit upon all people. I want you to see one more time that the Holy Spirit being poured out was God saying, I will pour out of myself, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit from God. He is the spirit of God. He is not an angelic presence. He is not just some random heavenly spirit. He's not just some ghost. God is pouring himself out in the spirit into our lives. I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They will speak on his behalf, speak under his unction and prompting. Your young men will see visions. May God give our young people vision. May it it come from God and not from TikTok. May it come from God and not Instagram. May God give you a vision greater than your family line, greater than your generation limitation. May God give you vision, young people. Without a vision, you perish. Without a vision, you throw off restraint. But when you have vision, you know what to say yes to and you know what to say no to because you're on mission, amen. You, you, you stop, start doing things that other people are like, why are you wasting your time with Jesus and all that stuff? Because you have a vision and you know they can't see what you see. Amen. Your old men will dream dreams. And that doesn't mean we go to sleep. Come on, somebody. It means us, We may say old, but us mature individuals, <laughs> us vintage veterans of the faith, we still have dreams, right? We still have things coming to our hearts that God is saying, we can see these things happen in our generations. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. Not men get a little something extra, the women get the leftovers. You get the same spirit of God and to be baptized is same portion. Come on church. You get 100% of the Holy Spirit whether you're a man or a woman. And they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below. As I said earlier, on the day the law was given, 3,000 died. On the day the Spirit is given, 3,000 were brought to life. If you go on, at the end of Peter's sermon, 3,000 people were saved and baptized in water. Praise God for that. The Holy Spirit baptism is primarily about reaching others, not just improving our lives. I want to get us back to the day of Pentecost, the celebration of the harvest. The harvest. Back to these loaves, my friends. Too many times we talk about the anointing and the power for our life. We're like, great, praise God for the gifts of the Spirit so that I can be healed. Thank God for the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit so I can be set free from the demonic oppression that has been plaguing my life. And all of that is true. Thank you, Jesus, that the power that is in us is for us as well. But you know that power isn't meant to just stay for you. It was given on the celebration of the beginning of the harvest season. And remember what Jesus said, the power comes upon you that you may be my witnesses. I'm bringing us back to the mission, church. It's not just about us being happy. It's not just about us being free. It's not just about us going to heaven. It's about a world and it's harvest time and the harvest is ripe and ready and you are harvesters and you use the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon your life to bring in that harvest. You have the ability, that's the anointing, that's the presence and power of God. You have the ability to help in people's times of need that you may point to the reality of a Savior. Amen. The Holy Spirit baptism is about reaching, not just improving your own life. There's a river of life flowing out of you according to Jesus' proclamation at the end of one of the feasts. That river of life, there's a picture of it in Ezekiel chapter 47. I won't take you there right now, but I want you to remember this chapter because it's worth going back to at some point. Ezekiel chapter 47. The Bible says there was a river. He had a vision. And there was a river proceeding out of the house of God. Do you realize you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? And there's a river flowing out of you. Do you remember that song in Sunday school class when you were a little kid, I've Got a River of Life Flowing Out of Me? How many of you knew that song as a kid? Raise your hand if you know that song. I've Got a River of Life Flowing Out of Me? I learned it at my little Assembly of God church in Southern California. I've Got a River of Life Flowing Out of Me, makes the lame to walk, and the blind to see, opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And then it would say, spring up a well. And if you're a really Pentecostal church, you would go splish, splash. Because <laughs> when you're really Pentecostal in a church, you do things in unison and you have almost like a big dance routine, splish, splash. Within my soul, spring up a well. Anyway, I can go on. You know, I learned that song when I was like 10. And I still know it today. And what I love about that song is the mission inside of that song. It says, I have a river of life flowing out of me, not to make me happy and make me comfortable, but to open prison doors. And it's at the captives free. You teach a 10-year-old kid why he's had a river flowing out of him. He'll live his life for that mission. I have a river of life flowing out of me. Ezekiel chapter 47 talks about that river and it keeps getting deeper. The further away... From the sanctuary they went. What does that mean? It means this. If you think what's inside of the sanctuary is good, what you will experience in the power of God as you take it to the streets, as you take it to the business arena, as you take it to the entertainment arena, the anointing actually gets stronger and more powerful when you start going towards, like this prophecy in Ezekiel 47, you start flowing towards the Dead Sea. Because that's where the river was flowing. It was flowing out of the house of God into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea represents lost people. The harvest. And the Bible tells us in this prophecy that as Ezekiel saw it, that it brought life wherever it went. You have a river of life flowing out of you. We are meant to be harvesters. We are not only commissioned to do it, we have been empowered to do this. Amen. John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, on the last day of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, who would be given to everyone who believes in him, But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Jesus was saying, when I get to glory, I will send the promise of the Father. I will send the Holy Spirit. And you will have a river of power, life-giving power flowing out of you. This is a big change. Think about the setting. Jesus is speaking to the nation of Israel. Israel throughout the history up to this point, was very much so about Israel's story. Preservation of Israel. Protecting Israel. Keeping Israel pure. Keeping Israel prosperous. And here Jesus was shifting, and this Pentecost celebration is shifting to where it's no longer just about this one nation, but this one nation was protected And raised up so that one day all nations of the world would be blessed. And this is that transition moment, church. Pentecost. Are you following this message this morning? That for thousands of years it was about preserve the nation, and now it's shifting from preserve the nation to take that nation into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth to be my witnesses. Sometimes we can fall into that same kind of traditional belief system to where we have a belief that it's about your home and your family and your life, and you need a reminder that you are called, that God has raised up you and your family, not just to be preserved yourself, but now go take that to the world to be witnesses to others so that the harvest both Jews and Gentiles, all the world may be saved. Thank you. I'll take that clap. Thank you. It's very good. Thank you. Very good. Amen. This was a huge shift. Because remember, these were Jewish individuals that were being raised up to be those first evangelists for the sake of the whole world. Key breakthrough concepts in this whole chapter 2. God's Spirit was poured out on all present, not just a select few. Now again, get into their psychology for a minute. Their history, the Holy Spirit, had come upon certain individuals back in their Old Testament history, right? Typically, three categories received the Holy Spirit. Not the way we receive him, but this, some sort of an empowerment, some sort of a strength, Some sort of a wisdom, some sort of the miraculous would come upon them, but it would be in one of three categories typically. One would be a king. Say king. Another would be a priestly office. Say priest. Another would be a prophetic office or prophet. Say prophet. Kings, priests, prophets. But the normal, common person did not have that holy oil poured upon them. We're not commissioned to be the leaders. Are you hearing me, church? The Holy Spirit was not symbolically placed upon them to do anything. They were just the average individuals. But in this context, the Bible says everyone present, men and women, men and maidservants, are you hearing me? Slave free, all present received that anointing. That empowerment to do what God's calling them to do, that's a big deal, church. Can you imagine being raised your whole life, hearing about Elijah, but you can never be Elijah? Hearing about King David, but you can never be King David. Are you hearing me? But you want to know what this means. It doesn't necessarily mean that God changed those three categories, kings, priests, and prophets, and he now just lowered his standards. What it means is he's brought all of you up, all of us up, and we are a nation of kings and priests, and we all can prophesy and become the prophets to our home, to our community, to our school, to our business. It's not that God lowered his expectation. He just raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places and has given you a high calling whether you see it or not. You are the kings on this earth. You are the ones that stand between God and man on this earth. You do speak on behalf of God to this generation, church. Come on. Somebody get excited about that stuff. That's why the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. Because you are now his body. And there's no insignificant parts of that body. It's good preaching, I know. It's like, wow. We love God and we love people. We're not sitting here in love with power. Are you hearing me, church? The power is not for self-promotion or gain. It's power to serve, power to reach the harvest. Let's talk about Acts 2-4, just to give you a little window into this from the Amplified Bible. They were all filled, we said that already, but now in the Amplified it says, "diffused throughout their souls. I love the description in the Amplified Bible. How many of you have some of those essential oil diffusers? Anybody? You walk through a room where it's there, and it's like you see it like filling the entire room, right? A diffuser is how this spirit, presence, and power permeates all parts of our lives. The baptism, the Holy Spirit, is meant to filter, diffuse, into every area not just your church area. Come on. It means that the anointing of the Holy Spirit goes into your business life. Goes into your love life. Come on church. How you treat your spouse and how you forgive one another and the ability of God to be like Christ in one in, in one another's lives. How we treat your neighbor, how we do business that so we don't cheat people and And even if we're low on funds, we won't take what doesn't belong to us. We'll just trust God for more funds. Because the Holy Spirit in us penetrates every area of our lives, diffused throughout our soul. Theologians call your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. The Holy Spirit gets into all of that. Your mind, your will, your emotions. Not just your church singing, your church attendance, but all of our life. Diffused throughout our mind, will, and emotions, every part with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other different foreign languages, tongues. Say tongues. You don't have to be afraid of the word tongues. Tongues just means a language they did not learn. God is the giver of languages. Genesis chapter 11, God changed all the languages of the earth in one moment, gave them language in one moment. If God did it in the Old Testament, he can do it again. God is the word, and words are important to him. Tongues were not given to make you weird. Tongues were given to make you able. Able to pray beyond your understanding. Able, come on able to accomplish great things in the power and presence of God that you couldn't do in your own natural mind or natural ability. They began to speak in tongues as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression. Tongues, a language unlearned by the speaker, given by the Holy Spirit for the purpose. Here's your two purposes I'll give you today. We could go into a whole message on tongues. We don't have time today, but here's the two purposes of tongues. Number one, it was a sign that something had changed. You can go through the book of Acts and see that God gave them a physical, tangible expression. The ability to do something they were not able to do before, thus they were able able to see in themselves and in others, something had changed. When the Holy Spirit had filled somebody's life, they were able to confidently look at that person and be able to say, they're doing something they weren't able to do before. It was a sign that something had changed. Are you following that? And I appreciate that it was a consistent sign because if people just were left to their own opinion, there wouldn't be clarity on this baptism. If it was just, I felt something, but then, you know, there's people who get baptized in the Holy Spirit that don't feel anything. There are people that cry when they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there's other people that stand there very stoic doesn't mean they weren't baptized. If you allow people to just use their personal experiences to tell them whether or not they're baptized, or even the apostles who were needing a a kind of determining measuring stick, when they went to preach to the Gentiles, it was the fact that their ability, when they were able to speak in a tongue they didn't learn, that was a sign that they received the same baptism that the apostles had received. It wasn't something different, it was the same because it was a measuring stick for them. Are you following me, church? And it was something that they could say confidently when they went back to Jerusalem. We have God's permission to baptize these Gentiles in water because God had already baptized them in the Holy Ghost and he gave them the ability to speak in a language they did not learn just like he did us. Same, 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 same. And here's the other cool part. We receive the same confirmation gift, physical evidence gift that they did 2,000 years later so that you can be confident that the same Holy Spirit that was given to Peter, that was given to John, are you hearing me church, that was given to the Apostle Paul, the same Holy Spirit and the same baptism is what you receive and experience today in the same potency 2,000 years later, same, 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 it's not different, it's the same and it's unchanged over the generations. So number one, it's a sign that something has changed. Number two, it's an ability, the ability to pray in tongues, in a language you didn't learn. It's an ability to pray beyond someone's own understanding. For God to pray spirit to spirit, and sometimes he even chooses to bypass your current limited understanding. God needs your faith, God needs your mouth. He doesn't need your brain to always understand what's going on. Isn't that good? God needs your faith, God needs your mouth, but he doesn't always need your brain to understand what's happening. Not yet. It may be too soon for your mortal mind to conceive what God is preparing for you. Your current level of fear, your current lack of knowledge, your current bias may prevent you from seeing a life that God is trying to pray through you. And so he bypasses your limited knowledge and prays his perfect will through your mouth. It's a beautiful gift. Today was to educate you about the baptism or filling of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3, 38 and 39 is a final reminder that this is for all of us today. This is not just something for 2,000 years ago. It's for all of us today. Acts chapter 3, verse 38 through 39, and Peter answered them and said, repent. This was in his sermon when he stood up When the Holy Spirit had been poured out, all the people came running to hear what was going on. They heard a sound of the mighty rushing wind, and there's that part we read where they were seeing them speaking these languages. Peter stood up and he preached. And in the middle of that preaching, he said to them, repent. Change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. And be baptized. That's baptism in water which is something that we're gonna do next week. Remember, next week, sign up on the app. If you've never been baptized in water, let's do it next week, obey the Lord. Or you may say, I was baptized as a kid, I had a journey away from God, but now I'm back and I would like a restart and I wanna testify of my new beginning. Get baptized again, it's fine. Now that you have understanding and it's a new beginning, you are welcome to get baptized as well. Just be baptized, amen, in faith. He goes on and says, Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness and release from your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise of the Holy Spirit is to and for you and for your children, and two and four, all that are far away, even to as many as the Lord God invites and bids to come to himself. How many of you have been invited by God to come to himself? Raise your hand. You understand, Peter was telling them this was not just for the apostles. This was not just for the start of the church. This is the power and presence that was always meant to fill the church and give us the ability to be his witnesses... And not just words, for the kingdom of God is not just talk, but it is living by God's power through us. We have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit in us, the same Holy Spirit that was in the disciples and apostles who started the church is still in this church, and the gates of hell cannot and will never prevail against it. We are not powerless. We are not just a theology or belief system. We are a body of Christ filled with His Spirit. And there is a river of life flowing out of you for for all of them, for their children, for all who are far off, or that meant far off into every nation around them, or far off into the timeline standing in front of them. This gift of the spirit is for all, all, all that God will call to himself. This baptism is the will of God for his children, for his people. His desire was not just to forgive you and cleanse you and make you holy and stop there. But he cleansed you and made you holy that you may receive and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? It's not just about going to heaven. It's about you being a carrier of the Holy Spirit of God. That's one of the reasons he made us holy. Not just to call you holy, but to fill you with himself so that you could carry him into the highways, into the byways, into the boardroom, into the classroom, into your home, into wherever you are and be that river of life, bringing life to wherever dead things are. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now, I take this moment and I pray over this house and I pray over those watching online that God, you remind us today of Pentecost, remind us of the pouring of your Holy Spirit out, And God, remind us it's about the harvest. So many times we get caught up into our own needs. We forget about the fields that are ripe. This power and this presence, yes, is for us, but it's also meant to flow through us. And God, if I have not been moved by the lost in a long time, I pray for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray over this body in this room and watching on YouTube right now, if they have not been moved for the harvest in a while, we need a fresh filling. A fresh baptism from the Spirit of God that would come and give us a burden, that would give us a hope, an intense love for those that are lost and a sense that we have what they need and God give us the courage that the Holy Spirit brings us, the boldness to go and be that light and that testimony. God, I thank you for a fresh baptism and a fresh filling that we may preach your gospel and testify boldly with signs following with signs following, in Jesus' name. This morning, if you are out of relationship with God for any reason, maybe you've never committed your heart to Jesus, or maybe you're saying, I need a restart. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages and penalty of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible goes on to say that all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I want to give you an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds. When I count to three, if you say, you know, Pastor Kevin, I need to get my life right with Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready to call on him to be my Lord and Savior for the first time or as a restart. When I count to three, just raise your hand right at your seat. And we're going to pray a prayer together as a church right at your seat. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand. One, two. I see your two hands in the back. Wonderful. I am not right with God, but I want to be. There's a third hand in the middle. Anybody else today? I'm ready to commit my life or recommit my life to Jesus. Anybody else today? Just raise your hand right where you are. We'll be honored to pray with you. Another hand. Four. Thank you. Yeah, four. I see it. Five right here. Six. Awesome. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. All right, let's pray together. Let's all pray together so they're not praying by themselves. And with all your heart, just pray this prayer to me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate those six?